Welcome to Market Street to Main Street, AIM's legislative episodes of the Hometown Innovations podcast and a supplement to our e-newsletter, Legislative Summary. During the legislative session, this weekly podcast series will offer a rundown of what happened at the State House and important legislative action and issues our members need to know about. You'll hear AIM's expectations for the upcoming week and the team's strategy for addressing critical legislation. Welcome to Market Street to Main Street, our legislative series of AIM's Hometown Innovations podcast. I'm Jennifer Simmons with AIM. Joining me today is our Government Affairs Director, Jenna Bentley. Jenna, Matt is on the road today. So in the words of one of my favorite mayors, it's just us gals. (laughs) I think we can handle it. Yeah, I believe in our abilities. You know, while we miss Matt, I I think we've got this. All right, very good. I think we should, you know, sometimes we do process first, but I think we had such a great week on what some people might not be familiar with. It's called Mobile Integrated Health. It is a really innovative and creative way to keep people from going back in the hospital, their discharge, to to slow that readmission rate, to keep seniors in their homes longer, to help them feel part of the community, feel cared about. And I know that's a little touchy-feely, but I think from a quality of place standpoint, mobile integrated health is such a wonderful addition. So, you know, Jenny, you've been immersed in this. Like I said, it's a great week, but I'm going to turn it over to you to, to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, it was a really neat committee hearing because we got to hear from multiple members from across the state. Um, I'd say generally on mobile integrated health framework was put in place in 2019 by the General Assembly. And since then, you've seen communities kind of use it in different ways and tailor it to the specific needs in their community. So generally speaking, if you're a community or a municipality and you've never never thought about a mobile integrated health program, I think I would take a look at, you know, the city of Crawfordsville. Not only are they leading the state on kind of forward thinking on how to address public health needs in their city, city, but the nation. They are a model um, across the country on how to address the ever-changing public safety needs. And so, as you mentioned, right, you have your traditional police, fire, EMS, and what they did is, you know, they're the front lines. They saw that. Um, And so they partnered with their local hospital, um, Franciscan, on what can we do to help address you know, chronic illness or vaccines and immunizations and mental health and substance abuse. Like these are kind of what they would call frequent flyer issues. Um, And so that's one approach. And then, you know, Mayor Jensen in Noblesville um, during the pandemic, it became very clear to him that they have some mental health needs that are being unmet by their current structure. And so he came to the General Assembly and worked with Senator Baldwin on, can we get a grant program underway, supported by the state to help bolster their existing program focused on mental health. So there were two bills in committee this week, both passed unanimously. And most members of the Senate Health Committee asked, hey, can you add me to this bill, which is a a strong sign of um, support. And what was also really neat is, you know, you had Mayor Jensen there, 
you have the mobile integrated health team from Monticello there, the Nick who, who runs their program was there to testify. And then Mayor Courtney, Mayor McMichael and Mayor Jensen were there to, to talk about the grant program. Mayor Ridenauer was there also to talk about their work with the hospital and their community and trying to start their mobile integrated health program. So each of those mayors are at different points in the process. Mm -hmm. Mayor McMichael highlighted that they don't have a program yet, but a grant program could help them get there. So it was a, a super exciting committee, which is um, something I rarely say uh, <laughs> about testifying and being at a, You don't usually say it's exciting in a good way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, that's great. You know, I uh, it was really nice to see so many of our members at the state house on such a positive issue. And what I think is interesting about mobile integrated health is each of those communities had a very different focus, right? So it's such a good example of one size doesn't fit all. If there was mobile integrated health language that just said you could use it for mental health, that might be great for Noblesville, but that might not be what Monticello needs. So I think this is a really good example of give us tools and let municipalities go out there and tailor their programs to what their citizens need. Yeah, you're exactly right, because I do think there are, you know, existing providers and partners in some communities that might do provide mental health services, but in other communities, they might not. And so that's where they might focus their efforts there, or there might be some, you know, healthcare facilities who are great and help helping constituents, or, you know, there might be a, an absence of that in some rural communities where these can, these programs can help support that, you know, it's not a replacement of going to the doctor, but instead, even a, an extension of that and helping build the relationship. There are some examples that they highlighted of, older citizens who say, you know, I'm intimidated to go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And that's where the EMS workers or the first responders will say, well, let me connect you to a provider and walk you through how that's done. And in Crawfordsville, they had someone who helps with their maternal care side of mm -hmm. it. So she was a labor and delivery nurse. Mm -hmm. And she she knows, you know, here are the steps you need to take to hopefully, hopefully ensure a healthy pregnancy. And I think that is an incredible resource. What a great addition. And Monticello does that as well. So yeah, I won't, I won't continue to belabor it. So it is, ha, ha belabor. <laughs> anyway, I think that this is something we'll continue to talk about throughout the session. I know, you know, there is very little opposition to this kind of program, but there has been a little bit. So I think it would be great if communities that are doing this can reach out to their hospital systems because that's where I think those partnerships could be really helpful as opposed to putting them at odds with one another. I think this is a great opportunity for them to work together like they have in Monticello, where they're actually partnering with the hospital and they refer patients to the mobile integrated health system because they don't want that recidiv recidivism, I guess. Yeah. That that's exactly right. I think the catalyst for this in, in Crawfordsville too was the readmission rates and how you know how you can help the hospital address those those patients who are back um for a variety of reasons. So yeah, partnership yeah. is key, I think, in in growing these programs. For sure. For sure. All right. So back backing up on the process, um, where are we exactly on the legislative calendar? Yeah, so most 
um, of the committees wrapped up their work this week, um, but there will be some committees next week. Tuesday is the 30th is the House committee deadline. So for the first half of session, any bill that's introduced in the House has to pass a House committee by Tuesday. And that deadline for the Senate is on the 1st on Thursday. Um, and so committee work will wrap up next week. And then on February 5th, Monday, um, that will be the House third reading deadline. So any bill that passed out of a House committee has to pass the floor by that Monday. And then the 6th is the Senate's deadline for that. And so we'll get a little break the 7th, 8th, and 9th of February, um, kind of a reset where we'll take an inventory of what bills are moving, what committees um, they're getting assigned to on the second half. And then, you know, really picking things back up February 12th, it'll be a sprint to the finish in terms of what bills are moving. Um, already hearing rumblings about how they want this to, how they don't want hardly any bills to go to conference committee. So try to work out your changes. Mm -hmm um and yeah. get done as soon as possible so Boy, that's that scares me when people say things like oh i'll i'll vote for this on the floor or against it on the floor and you know this maybe reduces the further discussion on things that that maybe you know we didn't want getting out of committee so that's yeah it's that's a, great i'm glad they're they want to be efficient but sometimes that committee process and that back and forth is helpful it's uh, a challenge i think there are a number of bills that get voted out of committee where they say well let's continue to work on this and so if you're not doing it on second reading your typical recourse to do that is through conference committee conference committees yeah so yeah. We'll see. We'll we'll be there advocating for the changes we need and and hope that they hear us out. So you mentioned the break. So when bills are switching houses, there is that little three day break for everyone. Um, are you you gonna head to Florida? Or are you just gonna sleep for four days, five days? I really need to catch up on laundry. Um, <laughs> so I plan to catch up on laundry and hang out with. Lily. <laughs> uh, okay. So well, I'll be around. I'll be around. <laughs> um, okay. So we spent a lot of time at AIM this week uh, working on a really important component of our legislative program, which is policy committees. And you know, and backing up even a step farther, we we recently had a big municipal election, as many of our listeners would know. As part of that, we send out member involvement forms and say, okay, you're new to AIM. Here's what we do. We have this policy committee process. Are you interested in being a part of that? And we, we actually got more back than I think I've ever seen uh, in, in my what, you know, 14, 15 years with AIM. So that's exciting. Um, what, Jenna, like, what was that process? Like, what are policy committees? Um, how can people join one? Why are they important? Yeah, so we talked a lot about this, you know, if you were able to attend our newly elected officials training, um, but if you weren't, a little refresher is a policy committee is a really kind of low time commitment way to get involved and to follow along with what's going on in the General Assembly. So AIM has um, policy committees on things like roads and transportation, municipal finance, utilities, 
administration, which is like the day-to-day -day function of government. So depending on your, your background and your role within your city or town, we're always looking for feedback on bills that get introduced at the state house. So um, you'll, you know, tell us what you're interested in, say your former law enforcement, we have a public safety um, policy committee. And what we'll do is we'll add your, you to our email list. And when we see a bill gets filed or assigned to a committee or amended, we'll do our best to summarize the bill and just usually ask three or four questions like, from your perspective, how would this impact your city or town? Would this impact your budget? Do you have concerns? Um, and so most of the work is done through email. Um, Campbell Ricci is our policy director and he's the one who e sends those emails out. And then we use your feedback to kind of guide conversations at the state house or guide our testimony. Um, we're always needing data and information. So again, it really, hinges on you responding, um, but it's not like we're asking you to come to the state house or testifying. If you have any interest in that, there's, there's certainly an opportunity and opportunities to do that throughout the year. Um, but this is just, we need immediate feedback. And with how quick this session is uh, moving, emails are, are the best way to do that. So, and it's also a good way for us, you know, in the future, if you have an interest in serving on Ames Legislative Committee, a good way for us to know that is if you're engaging at the policy committee level as well. Mm, great point. That is a great point because it is can't really come into something like the legislative committee having not been engaged in the legislative process with us because it's just um, I think you need that um, orientation, if you will. Yeah, so that's exactly. a really good point. Um, okay, even though we talked about mobile integrated health earlier, um, that's more you know more of a bigger issue. There are multiple bills on that, so I'm going to cheat a little bit and we'll do our just one bill question again um, this week. So what is that one bill, Jenna, that you think everyone really needs to know about for the third week of session? House Bill 1120 is that one bill for this week. Um, the underlying bill had some property tax changes that were we were good with. We didn't have any issues with the underlying bill, um, but it was amended in ways and means this week, and there were a number of provisions added to it. The one I want to talk about um, deals with excess levy appeals. So we've seen an increase of municipalities appealing for excess levy to the DLGF, um, largely because AV has growth with AV has grown, and so there are more entities eligible. But with AV growth, it's usually because there are new residential housing. There's a, just an additional demand for services, and so what this um, amendment says is in order for a unit to qualify, um, they now have to have 4% growth over the statewide average, where under current statute, that number was 2%. So it's going to narrow down the number of communities who are eligible to even make an appeal to the DLGF. So for us, that's concerning when, you know, property tax taxes were capped and these levy controls were put in place, you know, our, the charge to municipalities and counties was grow your way out of the problem. And so this is another measure where we're attempting to grow our way out, but they're limiting our ability to, to have access to more levy for clear needs. And the DLGF has a, has a kind of a bar set on what they want to see in that process anyway. So definitely if you're a fast growing community or any community I encourage you to take a look at that language in 1120. Um, we're hopeful that we'll work with DLGF to get an idea on 
which of the communities would have been, been impacted this year as a starting place um, for those conversations with our members. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, going into the session, we thought the property tax issue, income tax issue, all those, you know, municipal taxes, state taxes were going to be reviewed by the uh, the long-term community or committee we've called SALTER. So are you surprised that we're dealing with such a major property tax related amendment when that committee is not supposed to report its work until uh, the end of next year, 2025? Yeah, I was hopeful that, th that that would be the vehicle for conversations like this. Am I surprised? No, because I do know that um, specifically on the House side, they've had an interest in why there are so many more levy appeals this year. Um, and I did talk to Chairman Thompson, who chairs Ways and Means, and this is his bill about it right after committee. And, you know, he said he's still very committed to the big picture conversation about how lit is distributed and property taxes as a whole. Um, and he felt like this was a Band-Aid. So I'm hopeful um, we're going to meet with him again this week and, and we can hash out some of the, the differences um, with him directly. Great. Great. Um... All right. I think we'll leave it there. I did want to remind everyone that February 20th is Ames Legislative Dinner here in Indianapolis at the Hyatt downtown. Uh, that is free for municipal members because we want you here. We want you to uh, get to know your legislators if that relationship isn't already established. And if it is to help build on that in coming down you know, where they are during the week, all week, it's their home during the legislative session. I think it's great uh, to come down here to them, build that rapport, talk about your concerns, talk about what's going well in your community. So I really encourage you to register for the AIM Legislative Dinner. And today actually is the hotel cutoff. Doesn't mean you can't get a hotel room after today, it means that our block expires today. So that special rate and the holding of a room, uh, that expires today. So make sure you uh, get that taken care of. If you don't, you obviously can still register. Like I said, you may be at a different hotel, may have a higher rate, but we still would love you here. Uh, anything else, Jenna, before we wrap up? No, I'm good, thank you. Just keep following along with our legislative summary and um, bill tracking list. Perfect bill tracking list is at the bottom of your weekly email of legislative summary. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye.